Hello, welcome back to Quick Take. Um, it's funny, I actually sat down to record this last night and uh, got all the way to the end. And I thought it was a pretty good one too. And then uh, discovered that um, the app I'm using to record the podcast had only recorded four seconds. So that's a pretty disheartening uh, situation, especially when you feel like um, you know the recording went pretty well and you invested time into it uh, for the technology to just eat it. And I don't know totally what happened there. I suspect it's because I'm running a beta version of the uh, iOS 12 that maybe there was some kind of glitch there. So at any rate, we're giving this a go again, and hopefully this will work out a little better. Hey, if you missed the last episode, um, you know, I just got back from uh, spending a week with my family at the beach, and I sat down uh, this past Sunday and recorded an episode uh, all about how I use Apple technology um, hardware and software when I'm traveling and, and, you know, maybe some tips that you might find useful as well. So give that a listen if you haven't already. What I want to talk about tonight is there's a, an article um, uh, written by uh, Quentin Carnicelli, and I hope I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. And this is written over at the blog of software developer Rogue Amoeba. And uh, Rogue Amoeba um, makes some great audio apps for the Mac, uh, Audio Hijack and Airfoil, to name a couple of them. Um, they make great stuff and, um, and and I'm not saying there's no validity at all. I think there is some validity to what, uh, Quentin's arguing in this piece, but I do think, um, it represents sort of a different outlook on the Mac than, than the outlook I hold to. Um, you know, this, uh, this, this podcast, uh, that I'm doing quick take, um, was kind of born in, uh, fall 2016 as the, as we were coming out of a pretty controversial time in the history of the Mac where, um, Apple really had had uh, you know not been releasing uh, regular updates, even speed bump updates to the Mac line, and you know lots of Mac products were getting long in the tooth, and people were starting to legitimately question whether or not Apple um, was still dedicated to the Mac. And uh, I think uh, in the last couple of years, really since that time, Apple has done a lot to change perception on that. Now. You know, for a lot of us who have been um, using Apple uh, products for a long time, who came to the, the who came to Apple when the Mac was the only product. Uh, of course, Apple made accessories and things like that, but the Mac was the central product that Apple made. And um, you know, it may be difficult for some of us to see a time now where, as we've talked about many times before, when you look at the revenue pie chart for you know what what products are bringing Apple money, it is iPhone far and away, and the Mac is just a is a small sliver of the pie by comparison. And so the reality is the Mac is just not going to get the kind of attention probably ever again that it had in those days when that was really the single focus of the company. And, uh, um, so, you know, again, in the last couple of years, I think Apple has done a lot to kind of, to kind of turn things around. Um, we had the a major new uh, MacBook Pro revision in late 2016, followed up less than a year later by a speed bump update to it. Uh, we've seen updates to the iMac and the MacBook and the MacBook Air. We've seen the new iMac Pro released. We have uh, not seen the new uh, uh, Mac Pro uh, replacement, but Apple has talked about that a couple times, and we have good reason to believe that that is indeed coming in 2019. Um so with all that in the context, uh, I just wanted to kind of read through this article and, and have some comments on it. This has been making its way around. And let, let me say this, too, um, because I think everybody should kind of admit their biases and, and be upfront about where they're coming from. I think when it comes to the state of the Mac, there are people uh, who are glass half full people. 
and there are people who are glass half empty people. And I've always been one of the glass half full people. I've always been a fairly optimistic person when it comes to future prospects for Apple and the Mac and all of its products, frankly. Um, that doesn't mean that I approve of everything that Apple does. It doesn't mean that I like every product that Apple's come out with. But it means that on the whole, I'm generally positive about Apple's future. And uh, on the other hand, there are um, a minority of people out there. I think they are a minority, um, but a vocal, mon- uh, a vocal uh, minority, uh, some of whom have uh, you know, relatively large platforms within the Apple community um, who are in the glass half empty category. And, um, you know, I kind of refer these a little tongue in cheek as the, the Mac Eeyores out there. If you think about Eeyore, the character from Winnie the Pooh, who was always, uh, kind of sad and depressed and, um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe that's a little unfair. I don't know, but, but, you know, they're, they're, you know, the people in this category tend to be more negative on the whole about the state of the Mac and, uh, this seems to be where this this uh, article is coming from. And again, it's called On the Sad State of Macintosh Hardware. And I'm going to read through it and pause periodically to make some comments. So it says, with Apple recently releasing their first developer beta of macOS 10.14 Mojave, we've been installing it on various test machines to test our apps. The inevitable march of technology means Mojave won't install on all of our older hardware. There's no shock there, but the situation is rather distressing when it comes to spending money to purchase new equipment. Here is the situation as reported by the wonderful Mac Rumors Buyer's Guide. And it's got a link to that plus some uh, screenshots of their uh, recommendations. Continuing the article, it says, At the time of the writing, with the exception of the $5,000 iMac Pro, no Macintosh has been updated at all in the past year. And let me stop there and say, um, putting that $5,000 number in front of iMac Pro, just hanging a lantern on the price tag, just seems dismissive. It just seems like a way of saying, you know, this is not something to take seriously because it's ridiculously expensive. And it is an expensive product, but it's also a very high-end product aimed at, uh, you know, companies and high-end pro uh, consumers who uh, are willing to spend that much money to get a great piece of hardware. So, you know, this is not the, you know, the computer that you're going to walk in and buy for your mom or that you're most likely going to buy and take off to college, that sort of thing. Um, you know, this is a serious workstation computer. So I think it's a little dismissive to, you know, just hang a lantern on that price tag there. So continuing on, it says, here are the last updates to the entire line of Macs. It lists them all out here. It says, iMac Pro, 182 days ago. iMac, 374 days ago. MacBook, 374 days ago. MacBook Air, 374 days ago. MacBook Pro, 374 days ago. Mac Pro, 436 days ago. Mac Mini, 1,337 days ago. Um, Now, when you look at that, uh, the iMac Pro is, of course, as it points out, the only one that's been updated in the last year. But, uh, let's see, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven products listed here. Of those, four of them were released at the time of this writing, which was uh, a few days ago. Uh, 374 days ago. Okay, 374 days is only a few days above a year. So um, while, yeah, I agree, I would like to see uh, updates come within every calendar year. Uh, it's not too unreasonable to to miss that by a few days. Now, I think we're probably still a few weeks away uh, from from seeing those updates drop. But still, this I think it's a little ridiculous to get too worried about this. Um, now Mac pro 436 days ago. And honestly, that's even being a little fair because the Mac pro has only had that one speed bump update and otherwise hasn't really been updated substantially since it was introduced in 20, uh, 2013. 
Uh, and then, of course, the Mac Mini 1,370 days ago. I got no argument here. That's absolutely embarrassing. And I'll talk more about that, I think, when he brings it up here in a second. But, you know, of, of those seven products listed, four of them have had updates just slightly over a year ago. So so it's not completely ridiculous. Um, it, it goes on. Worse, most of these counts are misleading, with many machines not seeing a true update in quite a bit longer. Of course, we mentioned that with the Mac Pro. Um, but these others, you know, did have speed bump updates 374 days ago. So that, that is a meaningful update. Okay, let me continue. Well, the Mac Mini hasn't seen an update of any kind in almost four years, nor for that matter, a price drop. Even that 2014 update was lackluster. Yeah, and I completely agree on this point. No argument here whatsoever. Uh, it's absolutely beyond time for Apple to either discontinue the Mac Mini or, preferably to me, update it in a substantial way. It's time for not just a speed bump, although that would be certainly welcome, um, but it's really time for a complete redesign. Uh, I mentioned a few weeks ago um, that I'd love to see an Apple TV-sized Mac Mini. Um, you know, the Mac Mini is not a workhorse computer, so, you know, it's not, it doesn't need to have a thousand cooling fans and large GPUs. This is more of a consumer workstation, uh, an entry-level desktop Mac, and so I'd love to see um, a, a a Mac mini in that size and in that form factor. And, um, you know, the Apple TV is no slouch. I mean, it's, it's actually a fairly powerful little computer itself. So they've proven that they can create a computer that small. Now, again, it's not totally fair because, you know, the Macs run on the Intel based processors. And so far, um, the Apple TV and the Apple watch and the uh, iPhone and the iPad all run on ARM based processors. And uh, as we mentioned on a show a little while ago, uh, Apple has been rumored to be developing ARM-based Macs and that we might see those in the next few years. And uh, that certainly wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. And so it's possible it might take uh, that kind of switch before, um, you know, the thermal requirements would allow them to fit one that small. I don't know, but um, I'd love to see that. And um, Interestingly, uh, in the last few days, John Gruber uh, over in his blog, Daring Fireball, has been talking about something very similar as well. So, but it, but you know, with respect to this this person's uh, arguments about the Mac Mini, I have absolutely no no issue to take whatsoever. I'm in complete agreement. And he continues, the one solid Mac Pro was replaced by the dead end cylindrical version all the way back in 2013, which was then left to stagnate. Yeah, and this isn't wrong. However, I think it's disingenuous uh, or at least unfair um, to Apple to not mention the fact that Apple has held two press briefings where they have said that they're working on a replacement to the Mac Pro. And it's fair to point to push back and point out that, yeah, but it hasn't been announced yet, so there's no guarantee they're going to do it. And that's true. However, I think there's every reason to believe that Apple really is working on a replacement to the Mac Pro and that we'll see it next year. Now, that doesn't mean that it will be met with um, acceptance by the community that certainly Apple thought they were um, creating something that would be well received when they created the Mac, the cylindrical Mac Pro in 2013, and it wound up that that was completely a misdirection. Um, but it's it's a little unfair to not mention the fact that while yes, the Mac Pro hasn't been meaningfully updated in a very long time, that they have made multiple announcements to the fact that an update is coming, a, a significant one. He continues, I don't even want to get started on the MacBook Pro's questionable keyboard or the MacBook's sole port, USB-C, which must also be used to provide power. I think this whole Mac, and I haven't talked about this a ton on the show, but I don't. I think this whole MacBook Pro keyboard issue has been vastly overblown by the Mac yours out there. Um, I have seen enough issues and anecdotal issues from people that I know that, that are using the new MacBook Pros that 
um, suggest to me that there is a flaw in the design of the keyboard. Um, or maybe that's not even fair. Maybe uh, here, let, me, let me rephrase that. I definitely think that there have been a higher number of uh, issues with the keyboard uh, than uh, I would find acceptable. But I don't think it's a major crisis. And I don't think that most people have ever experienced an issue. I think the vast majority of people who have purchased a uh, Touch Bar MacBook Pro have not had any issues whatsoever and will not have any issues whatsoever with the keyboard. I think that there have been a higher number of issues with this keyboard than with any other Apple keyboard in recent memory, but I still think that's a minority of cases. So I absolutely hope that Apple improves that. I mean, I want Apple's quality assurance to be um, as good as it possibly can be, but I don't think the keyboard issue stacks up any higher than some of the other issues that the MacBook Pro has had in recent years. Like when the Retina MacBook Pro was first introduced in 2012, there were um, a number of cases where there were image retention issues. And uh, even as recently as the 2015 models, we've seen issues with um, the coding on the screen uh, wearing off and, and Apple's got a uh, replacement program, like a warranty extension for that, that product, that, that issue specifically. So yes, there are a higher number of keyboard issues than I would like, but I don't think it's a major crisis. And then he brings up the USB-C, the sole USB-C port on the MacBook. And that's, that's just been the punching bag on that product. And you know what? I don't think Apple cares because I think that the MacBook is what they want it to be. And uh, I would absolutely love to see them add a second USB-C port to it. Uh, and I don't know if they will or not. Um, I don't know if uh, eventually the MacBook Air and the MacBook are going to merge in some way into a single product that replaces both of them. Um, but you got to remember that that entry-level MacBook is an entry-level laptop. It's not made to be a workhorse of any sort. Um, it's made to be a, uh, a light computing task computer. Somebody could take that off to college and use it to type papers on, but it's not for somebody who's going to be, you know, um, designing things in Photoshop all day long. It's just, it's just a different thing. So it, you know, if you're somebody who uh, needs a computer with more than one port, then it's not the computer for you, but it is a great computer for a lot of people in the, uh, with the use case that Apple has, uh, has designed it for. Uh, and he continues, it's very difficult to recommend much from the current crop of Macs to customers, and that's deeply worrisome to us as a Mac-based software company. For our own internal needs, we've wound up purchasing used hardware for testing rather than opting to compromise heavily on a new machine. That isn't good for Apple, nor is it what we want. This is the weirdest paragraph in this entire piece to me, because he doesn't go into what he means by compromise heavily on a new machine. I, I don't understand that at all. I know, I mean, I can... I can imagine some things that he might mean by it, but he doesn't spell it out. So it's, it's hard for me to even know what to discuss with that. Certainly a lot of people uh, find the fact that the current MacBook Pros only have a single type of port. They have uh, two to four USB-C ports rather than USB-A and Ethernet and um, Express Card, SD, you know, whatever people are interested, I guess not Express Card, but SD Card things like that. Instead, they just have uh, four USB-C ports. So maybe that's what he's talking about. But I, I think eventually the people that are unwilling to compromise on that are going to have to or abandon the Mac entirely. Um, because I think that Apple is very, very focused on USB-C being, uh, being the way to go for the future. And this the sentence where it says, it's very difficult to recommend much from the current crop of Macs to customers. Uh, I just, I just can't agree with that. Now, it might be a bad time for customers to purchase some of these models because it seems like several of them are, are, are going to have updates in the very near future. 
But the products that are on sale now are not bad products. They're great products for most consumers. Uh, so I, I just disagree with that. Okay, continuing. Rather than attempting to wow the world with innovative new designs, and they put innovative in quotation marks, like the failed Mac Pro, Apple could and should simply provide updates and speed bumps to the entire lineup on a much more frequent basis. Boy, so this sentence, um, the second half of the sentence, I agree with the first half, I think is complete. It's just disingenuous. It's just wrong. Rather than attempt to wow the world with quote unquote innovative new designs like the failed Mac Pro. Okay, there's no question that the Mac Pro was a failure. Um, there's also no question that it was introduced at a time where Apple was being criticized for not being innovative. And so you had um, Apple senior vice president of worldwide marketing, Phil Schiller, on stage, and he, he used the phrase, after they introduced the, the Cylinder Mac Pro, he got up and said, can't innovate my ass, famously. Um, but I think it's completely disingenuous to imply that all Apple was attempting to do with that product was to wow the world with, again, quote unquote, innovative new designs. I think that Apple absolutely believed that they were skating to where the puck was going with regards to high-end uh, desktop computing workstations. And it just turned out that they were wrong. And they have since admitted that they were wrong about that. And they are changing course on that. So um, that's just disingenuous. But the second half of the sentence, he says, again, Apple could and should simply provide updates and speed bumps to the entire lineup on a much more frequent basis. I agree with. Um, and I think Apple has, again, made steps to do that again in the last couple of years. And I think that they would I think that we will see updates, speed bump updates to several of these products in the coming weeks. Um, continuing on the much smaller Apple of the mid two thousands managed this with ease. Okay. But the, the, the much smaller Apple of the mid two thousands was focused exclusively on the Macintosh. Again, now it would be wrong of Apple not to put a majority of its resources into the iPhone because that's their major revenue source, as well as looking for the next thing that's going to replace smartphones, because that's going to happen at some point. Um, that doesn't mean that Apple can't do a better job. And I think they, they could and should do a better job, uh, giving the Mac the attention it needs with regards to more frequent updates. But, um, it's, it's just not the same company that it was in the mid two thousands. Continuing their current failure to keep the Mac lineup fresh, even as they approach a trillion dollar market cap is both baffling and frightening to anyone who depends on the platform for their livelihood. Well, again, I don't think it's baffling. I think, again, their priorities are different because the structure of the company and the revenue sources of the company are different. Um, I understand the frightening piece because this guy's coming from a Mac software development company, so their entire company revolves around the success of the Mac. So I totally, I totally get the concern there. Continuing on. Given the incredibly sad state of the Mac lineup, it's difficult to understand how WWDC could have come and gone with no hardware releases. This is just melodramatic to me, uh, and that's why I use the, my snarky melodramatic voice there. Um, I don't know why they didn't see a speed bump update at WWDC, but it's not hard to imagine scenarios that might account for that. Uh, maybe the Intel chips uh, that they want to put in the next generation of the MacBook Pro weren't ready uh, in time for a WWDC launch. You know, maybe it's going to take a few more weeks. So I, I don't know if that's true. I'm just saying it's not hard to come up with possible reasons why that might be the case. Continuing on. Apple's transparency in 2017 regarding their miscalculation with the Mac Pro seemed encouraging, but over a year later, the company has utterly failed to produce anything tangible. Uh, okay. Well, I guess with respect to the Mac Pro, they have not 
produced anything tangible. I don't know that that's a failure though, because they never said that they would have it ready for 2018. Um, and, uh, if they're going to do it right, I'd rather them take the time to do it right. So while I would agree, I would prefer them to have released an updated Mac pro in 2018. I, I, I did. I, I, I think utterly failed to produce anything tangible is, is overly dramatic. Um, and again, they have addressed that and, and have updated uh, the press on where they stand with that in, the, in that time. Okay, continuing on. Instead, customers are still forced to choose between purchasing new computers that are actually years old or holding out in faint hope that hardware updates are still to come. Every day, the situation becomes more dire. Again, this is just melodramatic overreaction. As we said, you know, four of the seven products that he listed in this article received updates just slightly over a year ago. So, yes, it's true that the Mac Pro and the Mac Mini, that criticism is completely fair because those products are years old products, essentially. But those are two products out of the seven. That's two too many. I agree. But I think he's being completely over, over melodramatic here. OK, final paragraph. Apple needs to publicly show their commitment to the full Macintosh hardware line, and they need to do it now. As a long, long-time macOS developer, one hesitates to bite the hand that feeds. At a certain point, however, it seems there won't even be anything left worth biting. Okay, and again, I totally understand the concern and maybe the fear um, coming from a company that that its entire livelihood depends on the success of the Mac platform. But again, I think this is overly dramatic. Um, I agree Apple needs to publicly show their commitment to the full Macintosh hardware line, by which I mean they need to get that new Mac Pro out and they need to go ahead and address the issue with the Mac Mini. Um, but I think that they have done a good job in the last two years of starting to show that they do care about the Mac still, uh, including just the other week at WWDC where they, you know, uh, Craig Federighi was up there uh, and he says, hey, we've been asked the question, are you planning to merge the Mac and iOS in the future? And then the giant 20 foot tall letters, no, drop down in a cloud of dust on the keynote were stirred up. So I think it's it's ridiculous to say that Apple hasn't addressed this issue or, or haven't addressed um, concerns of these customers. Well, look, that's all I had. I wanted to go through that um, again there's some validity to, to the arguments made in this blog post, but I think there's also a lot of overly dramatic um, stuff in there. And it's a little disappointing to see so many people uh, that I respect sharing this on social media uh, for those reasons. That's all I've got this time. Hey, um, if you disagree with me, that's totally fair. Not everything I say is right. I'm just one guy with one viewpoint. Uh, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. You can find me at JW Sherrod. That's S H E R R O D. And let me know what you think. And hey, if you listen this far, go on Twitter and just send me a tweet and say, hey, I listened all the way to the end. And, and it'll be just encouraging for me to know that you're out there. Um, if you like this episode, share it on social media. Um, go into iTunes and subscribe and rate the show five stars if you can. That really helps get uh, get that showing up in the iTunes algorithm. And uh, hey, if you want to send me an audio message, disagreeing with me, agreeing with me, asking a question, whatever it is, download the free Anchor app for your iPhone and uh, record a message and you can send it to me within the app and I can even incorporate it into a future episode of the show. That's it for this episode. I'll see you next time on Quick Take.